What is going on, everyone? This is Josh from One Word, and I want to welcome all of our listeners to the latest episode of the One Word podcast. At One Word, our mission is to choose it, rep it, and live it. Go find out more about us at our website at www.onewordbrand.com. Real quick, if you haven't listened to our latest episode, the newest one in our leadership session series with Charlie Maloof, the CEO of Broad River Retail and Ashley Home Store, then I want you to click pause real quick and go back and listen to that episode first. If you have, then come on, welcome to the newest episode. This episode, we have Jim Morgan with us, the CEO and founder of Meet the Need. It's an amazing organization, and Jim has a plethora of wisdom to share with us, as well as his story. So I am so excited for this episode. Let's get ready and let's dive in. All right. Well, today, listeners, we are joined by our friend Jim Morgan. Jim is in charge of a ministry called Meet the Need, which he is going to tell us some more about. Um, but he also has a little bit of an interesting story of how he got there to meet the need. So first of all, Jim, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining us. Doing great. Great to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. So, so to start us off, Jim, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, and about what Meet the Need is all about. Yeah, the goal of, of Meet the Need is to unite the body of Christ around what we really believe is Jesus's model for evangelism, which is prayer, care, and then share. And so the prayer part, obviously, I mean, God is doing the work. We're not going to do anything on our own strength. So prayer always begins things. The care, if you look at Jesus's life, like he was healing and feeding, and then he was saying who he was. Um, and too often, I think in today's churches, we tend to to begin with the messaging, the preaching, and not with the compassion. We want to open mm. hearts and minds to hear or see God's love in action. And then we're, they're more open to hearing about the message of, of Christ. And so prayer, care, and share is where the message or the, the sequencing of how it should look. And to meet the need is basically trying to help churches to be the church. So the church you know, was the food bank. It was the homeless shelter for 1,900 years kind of how, you know, the center of town is how we started the schools, uh, we started the hospitals that began with the church. And so we kind of got Jesus's model of evangelism for 1900 years. In the last hundred years, I believe that we've moved away from that and we tend to lead with the words. I kind of call it with the, you know, the, in the culture war of America, it's like we begin with the air war, like we're dropping verbal bombs versus the ground war of love and compassion. And then you got to still follow up as saying who he is. That's the gospel. But that was Jesus' model, you know, healing and feeding and then saying who he was, and he was the, the gospel. So meet the need, to answer your question, is, is a, a bunch of tools and strategies for getting the church to live out that prayer, care, share model. So we provide uh, for free. We're a, we're a ministry uh, funded by Christian donors that believe this is important to get the body of Christ to rally around local needs and to be there for those who are struggling and then use that as a platform for sharing their faith. And so we have spent about 18 years uh, working on Meet the Need, uh, rolling out across the country to thousands of churches and ministries across the nation that see the need to, to live and, and, and act like Jesus and how they collaborate to, uh, to bring help and hope to those in need. That's so cool, Jim. Thanks for sharing that with our audience. Prayer, care, share, modeling after Jesus. And it's so cool what you're doing with Meet the Need. However, you weren't always doing Meet the Need. Would you share with our listeners a little bit about your life before ministry? 
Yeah, sure. I, it's funny because I, I may have rationalized this. It could have been me justifying, you know, something. But I, I thought about becoming a pastor one day when I was in high school. I thought about becoming a, you know, pastor. But I decided that you can reach people that you can't reach you know, by, by going in the business world. And, and you know, if people know you're a pastor, they know who you are. They know where you're coming from. They're careful around you. They don't act like they'd act if they're just around, you know, a business person. And I kind of want to catch people off guard. I kind of want to be, you know, in business where I can be strongly led by the Holy Spirit, be a strong Christian, but, you know, access people I couldn't reach if I was, and in ways I couldn't reach them if I was, um, you know, a pastor. So I decided to go into business. I, after college was over, I went to Washington Lee University up in Virginia, a good school. I went to Wall Street, got one of those, this is the late 80s. And back then, the best jobs you could get were, you know, the most lucrative jobs you could get back then. This is like the Michael Douglas, Wall Street, greed is good kind of time frame. <laughs> uh, one of those analyst jobs on Wall Street and worked there for a while. Then I went to Capitol Hill to regulate Wall Street, investment banking. And then I went to business school at, at the University of Chicago, which is, you know, I guess one of the top business schools in the, in the country. But all that was about me. All that was about trying to get ahead, trying to be somebody. And, you know, when, when Meet the Need began to pop into my head, I, it actually popped into my head. I was at a church um, in Atlanta, a very large church that I won't name. It's a great church. But I was asking them on the weekends when I'm back at home in Atlanta, you know, where can I use my skills and talents to, to serve the poor? I came from a household that was not a great household. There were a lot of issues um, in our house and alcoholism, drug addictions, um, some abuse. I mean, there was a, it was a tough childhood. And, and so I was, I've had a heart for the poor. I had a heart for, for kids that were struggling. I had a heart for those kind of things. And I asked this church, where can I go in Atlanta and go make a difference with my skills and my interests? And they kind of said, you know, we need greeters and ushers and child care workers. And I said, well, that's great, but I'm really thinking about the poor and people like that. And they said, well, we're not really sure where you're needed in Atlanta. We don't know where to point you to. Hmm. And so later on, pretty soon thereafter, I'm driving back to Atlanta from Jacksonville. I'm in the car. I left the big five. After business school was over, by the way, I went to a um, consult I went into consulting and worked for a large consulting firm and, and was trying to help uh, CEOs essentially find ways to make money off of the Internet you know, starting their dot-com companies. And I was drive to Atlanta thinking about how do you use the Internet for good, not just to get rich and make money for CEOs, but for good. And the thought popped in my head, instead of shopping online for what you want to buy, can you shop for something that you can do, that you can make a difference in? You know, shop, shop for somebody who needs what you have in your garage hmm. or skills that you have to make a difference. And that, I pulled off the road, I call it my road to Atlanta experience, a road to Damascus experience. I pull off the road, <laughs> and I began to write the next three hours, wrote this, you know, five-page document in the year 2000 that became what is now, you know, Meet the Need, and it exploded in growth. That's so cool. Yeah. That's such a cool story. That's incredible. The road to Atlanta, where you just pulled off and dialed up a business plan. That's incredible. That's incredible. So from that sort of transition period between cr climbing the, the ranks of the business world, getting a degree from a prestigious school, um, and then having a moment or maybe over time realizing, man, this is really just about me. 
Like there, there is an aspect of there's people that I am in circles with that a pastor or someone that works in a church would never be in circles with. But what, what's a big takeaway from that sort of transition in your life from the business world getting into sort of like helping the church world? You know, for, I guess for me, I just, my experience was is that I felt more freedom when I was in consulting. It's a very political business I mean, consulting is you're selling yourself and you're selling yourself for a lot of money. I think my, my billing rate, you know, back in the late nineties was something like six twenty an hour, you know, in the late nineties. And they would just kind of to like, you know, four seventy whatever, but it was still a lot of money and you're selling yourself and you better be very careful about what you say, you know, to whom you say it and, and how you act. Cause you don't, you're not selling widgets. You don't have any items or, or products that you're serving or, or selling. It's yourself. And so as a strong Christian living in the consulting world, I had to be so careful about, you know, what I said, what I did. And I got coached and counseled quite a bit, you know, about uh, living out my faith and, and walking out my faith and talking about my faith in the workplace. Mm. Um, so I had a great career. It was, a, I, you know, it still worked out great. I was making enough money for the firm that they would let me get away with a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but honestly, I felt a little bit constrained. But here's the ironic thing is that each time somebody had a problem, you know, a marriage problem, a child was sick, something like that, I was the one that they came running to. And they would wow. close the door and say, hey, Jim, I got, can I talk to you about something? I got cancer. I got a diagnosis, and it's not good. I'm struggling. Can you help me out? Just talk me through this. And we hmm. talked about faith. And they would come to me. I just found that it was ironic that I'm being coached and counseled on, hey, Jim, you know, keep a lid on the, the whole faith thing. And yet when they, that same person got in trouble, they were coming back to me. Um, so I felt with ministry a, trans, a segue to being able to be more open about mm. my faith and being able being less constrained by anybody around me you know, about sharing my faith. But in ministry, I've also seen it, though. I've seen where government money comes in. You can, people can compromise in, in, in ministry, too. But one thing that God gave this vision for me to need, and I refuse to compromise. I'm not going to serve money versus God. And so I kind of refuse to get caught in that trap that a lot of ministries do get caught in. Even collaboration suffers. Meet the needs about collaboration, right? But we see collaboration suffering when people, ministries, feel like they're competing for donors. You yeah. know, it's, it, they won't work. There's, there's an organization down the road doing the exact same thing, and they could do more together, but they just are hesitant because they're, they're worried about what's going to happen, you know, if they're sharing a donor pool. There's limited mm. folks have that kind of wealth. And so there's ways to compromise the ministry too and sustain true to our vision. That's like the biggest task that God's given me as, as the president of Meet the Need is to keep that vision intact that he gave me in that road to Damascus, the road to Atlanta. Yeah, cool. that's that's cool. That makes me think of just the other day I sent this to Josh and one of our other friends of the parable of the sower where the soil with um, the thorns that grew up, uh, they were deceived by or they were caught by the deceitfulness of wealth. And so I also think of when, God, when Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. That's like a very tangible example of how it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. But that's, that's great, Jim. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, so you, you've hit on this a little bit. And let us know if, if you've already answered this. But what is one of the biggest differences you see in the corporate, versus, or the corporate and secular world versus the ministry uh, and nonprofit world? Well, I... I'll share a couple stories that, that kind of concern me. So I left consulting. I walked into a, a consulting client 
where I was making several hundred thousand dollars a year. And I said, I'm going to, I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> and they said, you know, to do what? And I said, well, this ministry I've been working on, you know, this is back in uh, 08. I've been working on a ministry for a few years and it's really kind of taking off. I need to go full time with this ministry. And they said, well, how are you going to make money? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> we have no plan. We have no budget. I've been, I've been, my wife and I have been funding it. I had a pretty good career. My wife and I have been funding it, but I had no plan to, to monetize this. We're going to, we, I knew we would give this away for free. Hmm. And so, um, you know, but I, I left that consulting world and, and the, the word got out pretty quickly that somebody had built tools that would help to mobilize the body of Christ, churches and ministries to, to collaborate and serve the poor together. And so the, it was really kind of weird that a month after I had left my consulting job, I got in career. I got a phone call from the biggest church in Tampa, uh, from the biggest ministry in Tampa, and the biggest event, compassion event, taking place in Tampa involving 30 churches. And our software was not very good. And I'm like, this this is not good. <laughs> I've heard of, you really want to blow it? You really want to mess it up and blow it with, with small organizations that aren't going you know, <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Along those same lines in staying true to who Jesus made you to be, what would you say are three qualities that are essential for a Christian leader to possess in order to follow Jesus well and find success in the workplace? It's funny. I I taught on, I was teaching a Bible study this morning at at a very wealthy community. I've been part of the Bible study for three and a half years. Um, It's in one of the nicest communities in Tampa. It's a very wealthy area. and I've, I've been teaching the Bible study for a few weeks now. And today we're teaching, actually last week, but we kind of reinforced it today, on what I think is a key leadership principle for these guys in that room, and maybe for those listening today here, but it's about knowing versus being versus doing. 
So <laughs> you can know about Jesus and not know Jesus. And you can do things based in rules, you know, how you should, like a checklist and how you should live. You can follow a list of rules and kind of, you know, do things, the doing part of it, without the being. To me, it's, it's about being grounded in Christ in a love relationship with him where you know enough about him to want to know him, and then your the obedience, the doing, is simply a, a reflection of the love relationship that you have with God and, and how you're understanding his love for you. And it grows out of that. It's not contrived. It's not to look good. It's not to earn any kind of, uh, you know, better favor or with, with God or with man. It's just being grounded in the being. So that goes to like a second point, I guess, is that, you know, trust in your priorities. Hmm. You really honestly trust that God is going to provide, you know, or, or are, you, are you willing to take a little bit of a chance in the workplace with uh, taking a step of faith that may go beyond the bounds of what the world says you should, you know, be saying or be doing, but it takes a, a fair amount of trust. Are you going to live out your faith? Are you really going to take that last, that next step? And what God does is he opens up doors you never imagined because you took that one step. You asked that one hard question. I'll talk a lot about that. That one hard question that, you know, you know that is not politically correct. You probably don't, you know, shouldn't say it out loud. It's a little bit of a prying. It's none of your business, but you ask it anyway. And you and it opens the doors to, to, to things you would never have learned about that person and the chance to disciple them and maybe go out to lunch and, and get to know that person better outside the workplace. But it takes trust to ask that next hard question that no one else asks, but that we're still human beings. They're all workers. They're co-workers. They want to make a living, but they're still human beings, and they still have a, a hole in their hearts that's not going to be filled by anybody but, but Christ, ultimately. Wow. If you don't ask a hard question, you never find out that you just missed a huge opportunity. Um, and then finally, I just say, you know, when you do have the opportunity to make sure you, you mix in, you know, some truth with your grace, that it can't be all grace and just trying to, to placate people. You, you got to be willing to speak for truth. This generation, this, this culture today is, is one where you define your own truth. Now, there is no truth today. And so it's hard to, to bridge the conversation from how you're doing, what's going on, to providing some truth to that person that they desperately need to hear. Yeah. And it's a mix of you know grace and truth, but I think we err too much on the grace side now, and we're not willing to speak any truth, which is the gospel. Because people, you know, we have the cure for cancer, and to withhold that isn't loving. It's not graceful at all. Hmm. It's got to mix in some truth or grace. Jim, thanks for sharing those three things. Um, and I wanted to share with our listeners, too. You just put out a blog on the knowing, being, and doing aspect of that and uh nick and i read it and it was really good and we'd encourage our listeners to go check that out and meet the need as well yeah yeah that's big time knowing being doing out even in a ministry setting that's huge it's so easy to and i'm kind of like in that right now it's so easy to be in ministry and keep doing and doing and doing and then one day you're just like whoa i'm like i'm working in a church doing the doing kingdom work and getting paid for it but when's the last time that i actually thought about that so that's that's awesome Okay, so our last question for you is just for, for our listeners, what or who are you personally learning from? Like, are, do you have a mentor or what, what books or podcasts are you into these days? You know, it's funny. So you mentioned the blog, and I think that was my 177th blog post that you read. Wow. Five years. 
And people ask me, you know, so Jim, where do you, where do you get this stuff? <laughs> you know, how do you come up with that many ideas? And because their blog posts, they're, they're pretty deep. This is not like it's a blog post, it's a half a page and a couple of nice thoughts and a, and a scripture verse. It's really hashing through some hard topics um, in depth. But what I don't want to do is to, is to listen to too much noise. There's a lot of noise out there. And if we're not careful, the noise can affect how you, how you see things, even the Christian community. You know, if you want to monetize the ministry, it behooves you sometimes to, to compromise on, on the principles that, that of, of the Bible and of the Holy Spirit that he's giving you. And so I, I'm careful. I really am careful. And, and it sounds weird, but I don't read people's stuff that much. Hmm. Um, I have certain ones that I trust and I, I will listen to, and I'll read like devotionals, but there's, there's a lot of noise out there. And it's important that we really filter down to, to what, to who we trust and, and, and what we trust. And so uh, I would say that as far as mentoring and, and things like that, I have some brothers that I, I, I call them brothers. And we say, you know, it's weird to have a guy say, I love you, but these are guys that I love. And we say that I love you. And we, you know, we're, there's like, I don't know, eight or nine of us that are very, very close. And we're doing life together. You know, iron sharpens iron. And, you know, some of those I'm discipling and some of those are, are maybe discipling me some. We're, we're kind of going back and forth. We're all pretty mature in our faith and, and we're all trying to walk towards um, the Lord. So I, I, I hesitate to say mature in my faith. It's hard to even say this word. I, maybe I'm, I love the Lord. And I'm trying to, to walk towards him as much as I can. But um, I think iron does sharpen iron. So I, I kind of have that perspective on, and I would, I would advise anybody who's listening to this, to found, surround yourself with the right people. It's not about reading articles, and there's a lot of a lot of things that are saying um, the wrong approach. Like I write to pastors and, and and church staff quite a bit in the blog, and there's consultants and there's conferences, there's celebrity pastors, there's you know a lot of this is advising them to do the opposite of what we discussed today, and what my blog talks about to to grow your church um, by you know things like invest. Or, or I call it invite, involve, and invest. You know, get the person to invite their friends to come to church, get them you know, involved in ministry in the church, and then get them to give to the church. And that's the, I call it the rallying cry for the internally focused church. Mm. It's all about how to grow your, but there's consultants out there and options out there and articles galore that tell you that's the way to run church in America today. That's how to grow your church is to, is to, is to use that model versus what's much harder is the ground war of like we talked earlier about discipleship, hmm. you know, exponential growth through, you know, discipling two people. They disciple two people each, and then they disciple two people each. And that's the Great Commission. That's a much harder path. And, and so I really, that's where it comes from, is those kind of discipling relationships. Like I have with my friends, and I encourage everybody to have the people around them, is much more powerful than going out to the articles and the books and the podcast um, and looking for, you know, looking for your your solace or looking for your answers there. Mm. Nothing wrong with that, but you got to pick and choose your, your podcast carefully. And what you guys are doing is fantastic. I, I'm here on your show because I've seen some of your work and I appreciate your work. And I know people that you know, and they're, they're also folks, folks that I know that know you guys, you know, Nick and Josh are people that I love and care for and they're, they've helped disciple me and need them. So I, I'm here because I think what you're doing is great work, but I'm selective in, in what I listen to. Hmm. Thanks, Jim. We appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah, that does. That means a lot. And that's a, that's a great perspective to have. I think that 
I am just thinking back to a couple minutes ago when you said it's a lot of grace and truth in the world is lacking in, in truth today. And I feel like that just embodies it so well that church is more than just about growing or inviting or investing, but it's about what can we do for the people around us, for our community. That's huge. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time um, to be with us and to share some of some of your wisdom and insight with our listeners. It means a lot. My pleasure, guys. Great work you're doing. Keep it up. I'll be praying for you. Thanks so much, Jim. We appreciate you, man. All right, everyone. As always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the One Word Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed our time today with Jim Morgan and that you took copious notes and just learned from the plethora of wisdom that he has. Hey, real quick, if you enjoy listening to the One Word Podcast, please share it with someone you know. As always, we'd love it if you left a review and a five-star rating. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week on Tuesday for the One Word Podcast.